welcome to another episode of the Aspire Podcast. I'm here again inside the Journal Stack Room, one of my favorite rooms in Sydney Missionary and Bible College. And I'm here with Nick Hill, one of the most friendly guys you would ever meet at college. And he's someone who you always know he's around because you just hear his laugh. It's that the echo of, of Nick, your laughter, mate. It's just, it's, it's beautiful. I love it. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing a bit of your story. Brother, my absolute joy. It's good to be here. Oh, so good. So good. Well, you've got a really interesting upbringing. I didn't know this. You were a part of a first-generation migrant family from a Hindu culture, non-Christian home, even consider yourself an atheist. Tell, tell me a bit about what that was like growing up. Yeah, so, so when, my, um, when my parents emigrated from Nepal, um, they were pretty keen for my sister and I to be independent, uh, integrate into the culture and all of that. Um, and, and sort of me, particularly in high school, I took that independence and I kind of ran away from the faith of my parents and, and even faith in general. I, yeah, I would, could, would have considered myself a very strong atheist. Um, had, a, had a, yeah, kind of this, this cartoonish view of what a religious person was like. Mm. Um, kind of uh, religion, according to, to Dan Brown and Richard Dawkins, kind of a, yeah, very classic atheist, that, that Christians were people with imaginary friends and um, people that couldn't, couldn't read science and didn't know history, that kind of thing. And as someone who was coming from like a Hindu background, Hindu family, people who were Christians, did you know any of them? Did it make, was it just complete gibberish? How did you perceive it from afar? Yeah, I think I got like the the, the Sunday school overview through school kind of mm. thing where we would, yeah, for some reason I was enrolled in, in Christian scripture and I'd, I'd hear the stories. Um, and, and at Easter, we, we'd, uh, as a school, have have events on that we'd hear the Easter story. Um, but I, I don't think I really got the meaning of the gospel, I think, until mm. later on in high school when some mates of mine invited me to youth group. Um, but then even then, going to youth group at an early age of sort of year nine, year 10, um, I remember going with the express interest of knowing more about their God so that I could refute them in arguments later <laughs> and sort of have, have the one up, up, one up on them saying like, oh, like I, I know that already and this is the, the five reasons why that's incorrect kind of thing. Um, but of course, the irony is that that as I did that, I was learning more about God and, and mm. gaining this this head knowledge about what the Bible is and um, who God is and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Mm, mm. So what happened at youth group? You were learning about the Bible, kind of these truths were going to your head to your heart in this weird way. Like, was it a particular talk or series of talks, or was the light coming in slowly, or what happened there? Like, mm. how did you suddenly you went there to tell you know? show them how wrong they were and then suddenly you started to believe in this thing. It's, yeah that's a good opinion the, the light coming in slowly I think that was definitely it um, I think I think a big thing was just the, the beauty of the people there um, so, so, so the brother that invited me there Josh was and still is like one of the most beautiful Christian brothers I've ever known um, gentle in, in heart and in spirit um, humble in everything that he does um, and that kind of really fleshed out this this cartoonish image I had of who a Christian was it's like you know mm. the, the Christian people are beautiful um, and I I was continually reminded of that as I went to youth group. The, the leaders there loved us so well and so creatively. Um, and again, as I started going to church as well, like just being overwhelmed by the love of the people, mm. that was a big thing. Um, mm. There was there was one talk in particular that I remember youth group. Um, I'd I'd just broken up with my then girlfriend, <laughs> and I, I remember the the talk was on Christian relationships, what it oh. means to be a, a, a Christian man and a Christian woman, particularly in relationships. Oh. Um, but that was hang on, you broke up with her before? Or yeah, I'm... broke up with her before. <laughs> broke up with her before. So it's like this is a moment of like it's God's timing, and I remember I remember feeling sitting there like, oh God, you're speaking to me, aren't you? Um, 
and what I remember was, um, I remember disagreeing with my leader's God, but agreeing with everything they were saying. Mm. So I remember agreeing like, yes, a, a good man should be willing to sacrifice. Yes, mm. a good man should be um, willing to put others before himself, that kind of thing. Um, and I think, I think that was one of the moments where I really understood or, or started to understood, particularly in retrospect, looking back at it, like what it meant for me to be a sinner, for me to, to have these standards even that, that I recognize I can't live, live up to kind of thing. Mm. Um, yeah, and I think that, that was one of the big moments where sort of that head knowledge kind of hit a wall. It's like there's only a certain point where I can believe this and not actually live it out or want to live it out or um, yeah, go deeper with that head knowledge mm. kind of thing. Mm. Yeah. You ended up at Sydney after that. And you were doing an arts degree, history and English. Was ministry on the horizon at that point or not really? You're just thinking about teaching? Yeah, so that was that was the original goal. So the original goal was for me to become a English history teacher. Um, and, and doing the arts degree gave me the flexibility to choose sort of how and when I did that. Um, so, so come the end of my university degree, there were kind of three pathways. Um, at that point, I'd been sort of challenged to consider what ministry might look like for me. And so... so one of the pathways was for me to, um, yeah, just do an MTeach, become a teacher. Uh, another one was for me to do uh, a traineeship with church uh, or with um, with a different program, or, or lastly to, to jump straight into a theological uh, degree. Um, yeah, those were kind of the three pathways that I was eventually going to end up down at some point. Um, but yeah, post post university, I really just wanted to take a year off and do some work. Mm. But how did you, how did you suddenly? You know, you're at, at Sydney Uni, you're doing your arts degree. How did you suddenly think, oh, actually, maybe I want to kind of, I'm not sure what it was to you back then, but like be a pastor or be a missionary. Like how did, how did you suddenly change in, in thinking about that ministry route? Mm. A, a big a big part of it was definitely um, just the, the language and the encouragement of the Evangelical Union at Sydney University. Um, I was particularly struck by the LRLR value, the less rich, less resourced value, mm. and um, sort of the way that that was encouraging Christians in Sydney to consider where and how they might be able to bless God's church um, beyond sort of the, the churches that you've grown up in, and um, particularly where there's there's needs or cross-cultural opportunities. And um, I was particularly struck and, and won over by that vision. Um, yeah, so much so that sort of in those in those in the three pathways of doing either teaching or theological training or theological uh, study, irrespective of, of where where which of those three pathways I choose, I think I, I decided then that I would want to take that somewhere where Jesus isn't as well known as he is in Sydney. Mm. Um, yeah, so really really struck by that LRL value, mm. um, <clears throat> and sort of attached to that and adjacent to that, um, definitely like the encouragement of people around me. Um, encouragement of, of the leaders at my church, whether the youth leaders or my minister, um, encouragement of the staff workers at, at, at Sydney University. Um, you mentioned there was one person who, who said a particularly interesting comment to you. Yeah, what, my, what did he say? <laughs> my Howie Owen Robson, he, he said at the end of my degree that if I didn't pursue ministry, he'd hunt me down. <laughs> um, so that was, I in retrospect, it, I don't think it was a particular prompt, but it was encouraging, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, I love that. So you had those three options swirling in your mind after you decided, okay, I think I want to go on maybe this vocational ministry route, the MTeach, MDiv, or MTS. Three mm. really good options. 
And one thing I'm finding a lot of people, young people, are wrestling with is kind of how to make a decision, right? Mm, mm. Because we have all these good options and we have like this choice paralysis with this anxiety about which one's like the option, that type of thing. So how did you choose the MDiv out of those three great options? Which, by the way, if you don't know, is a Masters of Divinity. How'd you choose? That's the big golden question. How'd I choose? <laughs> the big golden question. Mm, give me a second, hang on. You mentioned there was a really good open day for one of the Bible colleges that was offering a Master of Divinity. How was that helpful, kind of, in choosing? Yeah, so so my wife and I were, were planning on taking just a year off after we graduated uni uh, to figure out life and, and to start working and um, get a bit of money in the bank. Um, but of course, the, the year we graduated was also uh, the year that COVID hit. Uh, and so we were both a little bit aimless, a little bit unsure of what the future held. A lot of the plans that we had um, kind of penciled in, like taking a couple of years off of work and then going to uh, do a traineeship or going back to study. Uh, those were kind of thrown up in the air. Um, and so, yeah, we, we came along to an SMBC open day. Um, yeah, and we were we were really, really struck by how beautiful the community is um, and also how, how awesome it would be uh, and how pressured it is that we had the chance to study together the, the following year. Um, mm. I think in the past we had planned that, you know, I'd go first for a couple of years and Sarah might join me halfway through, then we'd switch over for the sake of work and finances. Um, but just coming to that open day and, and falling in love with the community, we kind of thought about it and sort of quite a quick count of the cost and figured out, could we actually do this next year? Could mm. we study for a year together? Um, and that's what we ended up doing. So 2021, we, we enrolled, uh, myself in an MDiv and then Sarah in a graduate diploma. So she studied for one year. Um, yeah, and that was kind of it. The, 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 the decision was made in some ways by then, yeah. Mm. You, you mentioned offline that you really have seen the value of doing Bible college together if you're married with someone else. How have you made that possible and kind of what are some of the benefits that you've found of doing that? Mm. How have we made that possible? Yeah, yeah. Just kind of like some of the practicalities, like not, not, not you know, budget stretching yeah, right yeah. now, right here, but you know what I mean? Like, is that actually possible? Because you know, I'm married, right? But, you know, when I think about that, I think that sounds great. But then when I think about practicalities and all this stuff, like, yeah, how did you guys make it work? I mean, yeah, it is, it is at some level, it is about the, the nitty gritty of, of spreadsheets and, mm. and budgets and, and counting the cost, figuring out if that works out. Um, I think I think a huge grace that we've both found is that there are opportunities for us to still work and earn a bit of money on the side. Mm. So, for example, I'm, I'm currently working with a school and a church group, and that's really helpful um, financially. Um, when Sarah was studying last year, she was still working one day a week and still doing a full-time load, and that was really helpful. Um, but part of it is just acknowledging that there's going to be a, a season of our life where we're actually not financially secure, quote-unquote, mm. and actually being okay with that and saying this is a really unique part of our life. Um, and it's so valuable to be able to study together kind of thing. Mm. That was, um, yeah, so so it's not always going to be the, the wisest fiscal decision for mm. for to working adults to not work kind of thing, mm. but it is so worth it. Mm. Um, particularly uh, here at SNBC, there's um, something called Ministry Matters where we hear stories from missionaries and ministry practitioners that have gone before us. Um, and sitting there and hearing those stories together is so much more powerful and, and yeah, being able to have those conversations following that together instead of it being that one of us is there mm. hearing the story, being so emotionally and personally convicted and then trying to articulate that excitement to the other, to the, to the spouse. Um, to be able to be in those, those spaces together, having those conversations, hearing those stories together is so invaluable. Um, and actually now that, that Sarah is off working, so not studying this year, 
I'm feeling that that mm. burden again and that pain of like, I really love her to be here so we can do this together. Um, yeah, so so it, it is difficult and it, it is a cost that you have to count, but it is really worth it mm. for, for spouses and yeah, couples thinking of studying. Yeah, I think that's super encouraging and super helpful, especially for some people who, including myself, sometimes we can worry about the wrong things. Like we can prioritise money and security and... At the end of the day, if we want to be people who serve God in vocational ministry, those things are never going to be super easy, right? Mm. So mm. I think that's just a really encouraging, um, good reminder that yeah. it's kind of keep um, important what should be important. Yeah, and, and there are ways that, that other people have made it work. So I know there are a couple of families on site that um, kind of have taken terms, mm. taken turns, sorry, uh, where one of them will study for one year whilst the other one's living on site mm. um, with the family, and then the mm. other one will take the, the other year, and so they'll they'll swap in and out mm. um, but there are still opportunities for spouses to come along to events come along to ministry matters come along to chapel and still gain a bit of that the benefit of being a part of that community as well mm. so there, 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 are, there, are, there are options um, that don't involve kind of quitting your job and becoming a full-time student but mm. yeah I think it is valuable to, to be able to be in that world together mm. some people think that when you come to college you need to know exactly what you want to do after college but that isn't the case for you, is it? <laughs> Definitely not. And Aaron, it's not the case uh, for you, a lot of people. <laughs> if you could tell me what I was going to do with my life, brother, that would be amazing. Um, yeah, tell me about that. You're not really sure what you're going to do, but a lot of people are in that category. What What are you thinking about? I know you're kind of in a discernment phase now, considering like the burden of need and your skills and gifting. Mm-hmm. Talk me through a little bit about, yeah, what's that like being at college? Not really sure what you're doing, but knowing that it's going to be helpful, whatever that might be. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, so so at the moment there's there's kind of everything is a question mark <laughs> in terms of, of of where might God have us serve, like where's the location, um, sort of in what role, like what part of the church are we gonna be doing purely evangelistic work, are we gonna be working with the church, are we going to be um, yeah, in a creative access nation, like what like what what is the nature of like all of these things are questions at the moment. Um, and like you said, Aaron, like attached to that is also like just this burden of the need like I, I think mm. my, my heart does break for the fact that so many people don't get the chance to hear about Jesus um, and, and and so yeah like like part of me in that process of discernment like kind of looks at the categories of, of how has God gifted me um, whether that be skills or affinities uh, you know like where is their need and what are the opportunities available and, and the, those three kind of of spheres um, just, just constantly bouncing between them it's like yeah God has gifted me in these ways um, but if that means that, yeah, so God has gifted me in these ways, but if I'm in, in an opportunity or in a world, uh, in, God has gifted me in these ways, but if I'm in a part of the world where I don't get to use any of those gifts and talents, mm. but I'm still serving God and God's people, then I'm, I'm, that's so worth it. And I'd, I'd love that. Mm. Um, and so there's, there's categories of discernment that are helpful, but at the same time, it's like, oh, I don't really know. I don't really care at some point, but I just want to be there. Um. Yeah, so, so so going through the rhythms and the motions of that at the moment. Um, uh, yeah, and part of that is what you're saying before about just being so spoilt for cho- choice mm. um, and being here at college, I feel called to a different mission field each week kind of thing. And, and, <laughs> and that's that's difficult, but also good, right? Like that's that's me knowing and learning more about God's world mm. and, and knowing more about the needs around the world and, and knowing how I can pray for that or be a part of that. I don't know if I answered that question. Though. Yeah, no, that was super helpful. And I just love you being super raw and honest about that. Because I think, as I said, I just feel like some people think, 
you need to have it all figured out when you get here but the reality is a lot of people are trying to ask those questions and it's not super clear straight away and and that's actually totally okay yeah Um, and i think i think there are times where i feel the burden of that lack of clarity like part of me is like oh i should have my life together by now like i'm in college i should have a mission (laughs) field that i'm drawn to and i should have a ministry that i'm excited for i should start learning the language i'm going to be speaking or whatever it might be um there there are definitely times i feel that burden of, Mm. of uncertainty but there are other times that i'm i'm so thankful that i'm in the place that i'm at and um i think i often say to people that like where Sarah and I are at now is exactly where we should be if we're in this position in terms mm. of we're surrounded by people that, that love us and care for us, um, that that have the same burden as us uh, for God's uh, for, for God's mission around the world. And um, yeah, I can't think of a better place to be to figure out where and, and what God might want us to do. Mm. Yeah. On that note, what's it been like having been at Bible College, particularly Sydney Missionary and Bible College? Obviously, there are lots of great Bible colleges all across Australia, and in Sydney, there are a couple of good ones. So this isn't the only good one, but still, I'd love to just give people a bit of an insight for people who are thinking about coming to Bible College. What's it like? What are some of the kind of the rhythms, the routines? What are you liking about it? And what's it been like thus far? I, th- I think people can probably imagine what... A lot of classes look like like you have a timetable and and you go to, from class to class you you get lunch in the middle that kind of thing so the the, the rhythm of being a student is, is pretty familiar and the lunch is good the lunch is amazing <laughs> and provided if you're a full-time student how good is that um <laughs> play the full time so so like the rhythms of study i think are, are pretty familiar to people but i think what what stands out and what stood out to sarah and myself was the community just being being beautiful um mm. I, I think that there's there's a couple of reasons why the community at SMB Sailing is so awesome. Um, uh, part of that is is definitely the interdenominationality. Mm. So so people from different faith backgrounds and and experiences of church, um, different perspectives and assumptions they come to the Bible with. I think that's it, it leads to really awesome conversations and discussions with great depth and breadth. I think that's beautiful. Mm. Um, I think another reason why the community is so awesome is because of the lecturers. Um, I think yeah the 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 teaching here bar none is like world-class and that's amazing and, and we get to um yeah we get to have lunch with our lecturers kind of thing and then sit down and pick their brains and that's amazing uh, and and awesome yeah it's such a such a privilege to be able to do that with people that have thought so deeply about the bible um and i, I think the, i think the third reason that the community is so special is because of the resis because of the people who live on site mm. um the people that call this place their home um and that's both staff and students that live here and it means that the, the community has this real stability and peace and mm. uh, love and welcoming that, that comes from from it being people's homes in in a very real sense. Um, yeah. So so I think I think people can imagine the the ins and outs of study and and you know going to classes and stuff. But I think that one of the big unique things about being here at SBC is just the, the beauty of the community mm. around that mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. rhythms of study kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So. So really helpful because I think often we think about theological education as just kind of the degree and the knowledge. And obviously that's an important part of it. But something I've been coming to realize more and more is that a key part of the spiritual formation that we get here is through other people and through those meals and through touch footy and through just those coffee chats or the countless biscuits that we can see. That's it. That's it. Um, And I think that's that's a bit of an intangible, right? Like you can't, you can't assess that Mm. in some ways. Um, Mm. Maybe it was a good thing. <laughs> mm. And you mentioned international nationality. Man, am I a prayer triplet? There's me, who's, you know, I'm kind of like non-denominational, not really sure. And then there's a guy, an Anglican guy, New Zealander, 
and a Presbyterian. And it's just like such a cool mix, like, because we're, you know, we're different. And the other day, you know, we're joking around, actually, there was another guy as well who's a Baptist. And we were just joking around on different theological stuff, but, you know, it was all in good measure. And I just feel like it's so cool to be able to kind of have that graciousness and um, kindness to each other. Um, yeah, no matter what kind of spiritual different theological differences we have. Mm-hmm. So Definitely. that's cool. Any other kind of key things that you really, you mentioned community, any other kind of key rituals that you really love here at college? Key rituals? This, is, this wasn't I ask something... because lunch always comes up, you know, as, as, as a key one. I personally really love touch football, you know, Monday <laughs> afternoon, you know, because often, you know, people just think about the study. There's other cool things we do here too. I'm going to make some people roll their <laughs> eyes. Um, I really love college mission. Yeah. I, I really love the fact that we as a college, um, we partner with a handful of churches around Australia and in previous years, even overseas. Um, and we, yeah, we as students go out and we humbly submit ourselves to the leaders that are there and partner with them in the ministry that they're doing. Um, and that's such an awesome experience mm. um, to, to, to see different um, contexts of ministry and, and also for we as students to partner together in, in a, a mission of our own kind of thing, being a part of a team and grappling with the joys and the difficulties of being a part of a team. I think that's that's really, really special. Um, yeah, and kind of mm. exposes all of the best and tricky parts about study together, right? Where, where there'll be moments where we rub up against each other, but moments that we can joyfully and excitedly and beautifully serve the Lord, right? Mm. So college mission, definitely a highlight. Mate, that's not a rolling eye thing at all. <laughs> I don't know, why would you say that? I, I love college mission. I think mission. it's because I, I, I will rant about how beautiful I, oh. how beautiful college mission is and how much I love particularly my mission team this year. Like it was just yeah. a really, really special time. And so, um, yeah, no, really, really me too. Time. At the end of my college mission week, I was thinking, man, this is one of the most formative experiences I've ever had in life, yeah, right? <laughs> and just to be able to embody the theological stuff that we're learning, I think is so important. Just on that, a question I've been asking in this kind of little mini series is kind of how do we keep kind of Jesus at the center of our theological study, our ministry ambition, See this Aspire podcast. It's called Aspire, based off one twenty three, talking about how it is, and it is a good thing to aspire towards ministry. Mm, And yet, at the same time, sometimes our aspiration for ministry can become more of an aspiration for Jesus. Something I've realised in my own life and heart, and just that danger. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Nick? What's what's that like with the tension of all this information and all these kind of ideas of what we could do? Like, how do you keep Jesus at the centre? What's that like for you? Mm-hmm. I think I think something I, I, I do constantly grapple with is like all parts of our life are assessed, even from like a really early age, like from from primary school, like the way that you spell things is assessed, kind of thing, the way that you run in PE is assessed, mm-hmm. like all of these things are assessed. Um, and I think if we're not careful, we can carry that assessment mentality into the way that we relate to God. Like, mm-hmm. oh, how's my relationship with God this week? Give it a rating out of ten, kind of thing. Um, and I think that's acutely possible for Bible college students because the way that we read the Bible is now assessed as well. The way that we engage with God's word is assessed. And that that's that's a real struggle then to, to sit down and enjoy God's word and to sit down and, and, and sit at Jesus's feet. Like that's that's really hard because then we're self-assessing ourselves. Like, am I doing this well enough? Am I, is my, um, is my quiet time, does it have good exegesis? It's like, that's like, <laughs> and that's just so distracting, I think. And that's definitely something I've, I've grappled with. Um, kind of not being able to, to sit down and just read the passages that we're studying. Mm. Um, yeah, I, there, there are different things though that and different different 
sort of things that I found really helpful as I'm grappling with that. And I think I think one of the big ones is is the sort of the, the Mary and the Martha analogy. Like I think that um, so good. So often we we think that that our faith and and the way that we relate to Jesus needs to be doing things. We need to be serving Him. We need to be in this case, in this context, getting good marks on our theological essays and having good exegesis. But there's a point in which we just need to sit at Jesus' feet. And mm. the something that I found really helpful is 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 just to sit in silence and mm. not not be earnest in my elaborate prayers and not be um, yeah distracted in my Bible reading, but just to sit and chat to God, kind of thing. Um, and that's been really helpful to to have that Mary attitude of just sitting at Jesus' feet. And, and in, in seasons where I'm particularly overwhelmed by sort of that difficulty in balancing um, the work and the, the resting in, in God's word, I think just that, that opportunity to sit and do nothing, <laughs> do nothing at God's feet is, is really helpful. Um, but this is all kind of attached to the fact that it is such a great joy mm-hmm. to be able to spend so much time oh, in yeah. God's word. Oh, yeah. And like, it's such a unique opportunity that we get um, yeah, to, to, to do all these things. And, and that, that, that is in itself a worshipful and a meditative practice, right? To sit and, and learn. Um, but I think there's also the, the damage or the, the possibility that we turn that into an assessment as well. And so, yeah, constantly grapple. And, and I go in different phases at different times of mm. everything I'm learning at college is beautiful and devotional, but then also like it's work. And like <laughs> yeah. going through the cycles, I think is something I'm, I'm still grappling with and I probably will grapple with the, my remaining years of college, mm. I think. Yeah, yeah, it's such a relevant tension. I remember one of the lecturers here saying on one of the first days I came to college in terms of kind of key advice he wanted to give us and that was make sure you keep praying. Mm. And I mm. thought it was such good advice because all this information going into our minds, it is easy, I think, sometimes to kind of just make it academic. And I think the academic stuff is important, right? And sure. as you said, lecturers here are really good and world class and that's important. But to make sure that yeah it's constantly just being a part of that process for spiritual formation I think is so critical and I love what you say about Mary and Martha just slowing down and I've tried to have the same bible that I bring into college and the one I use for devotionals because that way I just have to keep remembering like it's the same one it's yeah. like it's a different one oh. even though I've been tempted to have two different ones because it's kind of annoying lugging it, it in because I like to have a larger print one at the moment but I think it's just been a helpful reminder like yeah, it's the same one that I encounter Jesus with in my own time. It's the same one that we're studying academically. So, totally, yeah. yeah, no, I appreciate you sharing that that wrestle. Um, you mentioned you're not really sure about what you want to do after college. What are those kind of pressing it a little bit sort of more specifically in some mm. of those options? You mentioned burden and need and gifting. Yeah. Like, um, overseas mission or in schools ministry or... yeah. Yeah, there's there's all good options, and that's I think part of the part of the issue. <laughs> um, so where I'm at at the moment, I'm I'm yeah, I'm in a really awesome position being able to to speak about the gospel to young boys at, at school, mm. and also work alongside them with the church kind of thing. Um, and that's definitely an option. Me to continue doing that for a couple of years uh, and and see through a cohort at school that'd be amazing. I'd love that. Um, recently, Sarah and I have been chatting about the possibility of doing a couple of years out in the country doing rural ministry. Um, yeah, working inside a church that maybe not doesn't have a minister at the moment or mm. um, is, has a small ministry team. Um, but yeah, ultimately we'd love to to head overseas. Um, mm. At the moment we feel feel the burden mm. of overseas mission, the, the way that the global church perhaps isn't as well resourced um, as the Sydney church, uh, or even the fact that there are so many parts of the world that don't have 
access to the gospel in the same way that Sydney siders do. I think that's something that we both really, really do feel. Mm. Um, and at the moment, we're kind of in a state of there's no reason why we shouldn't go. There, there's no, um, yeah, there's no reason why we shouldn't go. And so just being open to the possibility of God, as far as you want to take us, take us kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and so sort of very specifically, that, that that's looked like multiple things in different times. Um, uh, over the last couple of years, I've been praying about the mission field in Europe, just kind of like the the re-evangelization of mm. the continent that was so heavily Christianized, but then has now so uh, gone the opposite way of being secularized and so atheist. Um, yeah, it's so like recently I've been thinking about like, how can I partner with a church overseas? What does that look like for us? Mm. That's something that it was like, oh, that's exciting. Mm. At the same time, on the flip side of that, it's like, I feel this, it's like such the burden for like unreached people groups around the world. And it's like, yeah, if I'm, if I'm willing to, if that prayer is, 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 is genuine, God take me as far as you want to take me. Then, then, yeah. How much further can I go than than in the middle of nowhere when no one knows Jesus? Like I'd love to be in that environment, and um, if God would have me there, kind of thing. So, I love that, and I recall you saying offline that for you it's more important, and you're just too humble to share it online. But you're saying you know it's more important the need than my particular giftings, and I just find that super convicting because I know for me, as I'm processing ministry decision, I'm I'm thinking a lot about me and gifting. And I think there is wisdom in that, but I think it's a helpful corrective, not just to think about yourself and how you're wired, but what need actually is on the field. So, brother, I appreciate you sharing that a lot. We haven't really done this on the podcast, but I'd love um, for you to pray for people listening in a second, Um, people thinking about overseas mission, college, what to do, just, yeah, just a prayer of blessing and guidance. Um, But before we get there, any kind of last kind of tip or gold nugget piece of advice for someone who's thinking about going into ministry? Going into ministry. I, when I was at university, I thought that doing a three-year, or now it's turned into a four-year, Master of Divinity would be like a prison sentence. It's like, <laughs> I, I want to go and do ministry. I want to serve people. I want to serve God's church. Um, but I think now it's like the, the temptation is to think the other thing. It's mm. like that college is the best thing in the whole world and, and, mm. and the, the ministry stuff is, is not as important. Um, mm. And so I think I think that's just a tension that people have to live with and that's um, kind of the thing. It's like you, you want to be here but you also want to be on the field and um, yeah, Bible college is not a, a, a prison sentence. It's it's an absolute joy. Uh, it's such a privilege. Mm. But it's a joy and a privilege because of what it's preparing us to do, right? Mm. Not because of what it is by itself. So good. Amen, bro. Would you mind praying for us? Is that all right? I'd love to. <laughs> Let's pray. Um, our Father God we want to pray as Jesus tells us to we want to pray that you would be raising up workers for the mission field Mm. uh, workers for the harvest field Lord because the harvest is plenty Uh, Father we we pray that knowing that it is a dangerous prayer because Mm. we might be those workers that you're sending out Uh, and so Father I I want to give you great thanks that you've uh, put Aaron and myself and uh, the score of students around us uh, in the place that we're at to be trained and equipped uh, wherever you might take us Lord, I want to pray for uh, the listener now as well, whoever's hearing this. Father, be with them in whatever situation or circumstance they're at. Father, place on them the, the burden of, of your mission field. Father, convict them of the fact that if, if they're willing and able and ready, um, that you might use them and send them and, um, yeah, use them in your harvest field for your glory. Mm. Uh, and we pray, Lord, that whatever happens um, with us or whoever's listening, Lord, that, that you might receive all the glory. Mm. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure.
Thank you.